0: when people understand the importance again of uh information balance and the flow in and out of the company the flow across the company why every inf- a relationship should be two ways right it's all about meeting the customer needs and how can you as a marketer or the product manager or engineering or who customers exist meet the customer needs if this information out from the company and back from the customers isn't flowing both ways on a consistent basis um and i think if if marketers couch it that way, position it that way. How can I do a good job for you, right? Um, you gotta do a good job for me too, right? Like, Let me help you, help me. Um, that's critical. That context um, uh, helps people frame their roles so much better. Welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast,
1: brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance and hosted by me, Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I pull insights from some of the world's most talented product marketers who uncover the secret sauce of successful product marketing. On this episode, I'm joined by Ken Ostreich, founder of Foundhead Product Marketing. Over the course of his career, Ken has held a variety of VP-level product marketing roles, including a stint as CMO of Bodo.ai. Today, Ken offers his consulting services to help improve B2B product and marketing alignment, outcome-based goal setting, and better GTM outcomes, all founded on embracing product market fit. During our chat, Ken shares his API-based framework for establishing streamlined and transparent exchanges of information between product marketing and its partner teams. This is a must-listen for anyone looking to formalize or improve cross-functional relationships. All right, with that out of the way, let's dive in.
0: Hey, Ken, how's it going? Hey, Mark. Uh, Glad to be here. All things are go here. Sipping my morning coffee.
1: Right on. Super excited to have you here as well. All right, well, let's get into it then. Uh, as I ask all my listeners, I think it'd be great if you could walk us through your career journey so far and what brought you to founding Fountainhead Product Marketing.
0: Yeah, um, you know, try to weave the story together. Uh, I've been in product marketing essentially my whole career. Got out of engineering, actually, went to to business, and, and product marketing seemed like the most kind of holistic, connective tissue kind of role. Um, and it's always been with, with you know, both public and, you know, small startup, early stage B2B SaaS style companies, um, you know, large public things like Citrix, um, small startups uh, kind of across the board, seeing how they operate. And, you know, after a, a number of companies, you start to see patterns. And, you know, some of the patterns that I saw were kind of consistent Issues company f- companies face, right, having to do with how organizations work together, how they address the market, how they go to market, product development, and I sort of backed into um, being a, uh, a, a advisor consultant because you know I've seen the play run before. So uh, that's how I found myself here. That's awesome. And what would you
1: say if you're willing to kind of share a bit of the secret sauce, if you will? Were some of those trends or recurring patterns? that you're able to then approach other businesses
0: with and kind of guide them on. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, it's, it's, it's funny at smaller companies, the patterns I sort of see is they're guided by vision, but not so much by market. So take, you know, marketers should take uh, the, the, the the founder's direction uh, with a grain of salt and rely on sensing the market for real. Um, and i've and in big companies i've sort of seen things like the organizations start to operate i wouldn't say independently but you know sort of with stronger boundaries around them um and there's this need for these organizations to cooperate more you know these are rough generalizations but i sort of see those two main patterns over a career i really
1: like that insight about the smaller orgs that you that you mentioned have you found that in putting that recommendation forward there's yeah. some unintended friction or tension between the marketing team and the founder as a result of that difference there, there can be
0: right there can be and i you know and I, you know friction almost is an overstatement right but but uh you know i i've always felt like in the back like sitting in marketing right in the back of my mind it was like yeah the 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 founders have this really really great vision um but it misses the mark here or there for example a great technology it's really going to be a game changer um but they keep pointing it at um, market X when I sort of think it ought to be market Y, or it's really going to be great, but they, for some reason they don't prioritize a usability feature because they're so proud of the technology. Like little misses that marketing has to has to promote and champion to make sure they happen.
1: I think that's really insightful. It, it you know allows the founder to still keep that vision and that top level perspective. But marketing is able to interject and say, oh, well, we're off the mark a little bit here. Or if we considered this, we might land a little bit better. So I like that kind of framing. I think it, it makes it a little bit more tactical for marketers who find themselves in that situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I'll add, so it doesn't stop there, right? Let's let's take the example of, you know, marketing keeps getting with a usability feedback. Whereas the founder and CTO keep saying, we've got to push on technology. Um it's really important for so, so the result, by the way, is um Product management will get probably the founder and the CTO's priority first before yours. Um, so product marketing's got to champion these things and prioritize it um, because it's again, as it's, it's all holistic. So you know what what I found is like just just you know have have a lot of guts and a lot of you know be vocal and get a lot of data to champion this sort of stuff. And I've just I've seen failings of that in the past.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And yeah, that, I think that example of products getting those before uh, marketing um, probably hits home with a lot of listeners. I'm sure they find themselves in similar situations.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Right on. Well, you know, as you said in kind of your brief intro, you've held a number of senior product marketing and just general marketing positions throughout your career at some pretty well-known tech companies. I'm curious, how did your responsibilities as a product marketer you feel evolve over time as you became more and more senior?
0: Yeah. Um, I guess the best way to say it is, you know, I started, you know, all product marketers start probably in a relatively um focused area. Um, it might just be uh product marketing a particular set of features or to a particular audience or something like that, right? And and so did I. Um and bit by bit I've gotten, I guess, a more holistic picture of product marketing's role right begin to appreciate the touch points it has it's as i said it's like the connective tissue at a company as far as i'm concerned um so appreciate the business relationships to things outside of marketing it might be channel uh might be product uh might be customer success um and be- begin to get a whole picture of that and then ultimately after a couple of roles you start to see the bigger picture of the business and how to prioritize um not just outbound marketing, for example, right, but the business aspect and pricing and renewals and all of the, the um, uh, retention issues, right that a business cares about, not just, um, I'll, I'll say more myopic outbound demand generation marketing. And just over years, I've started to really appreciate the importance of, I said product marketing as being that connective tissue.
1: Yeah, I think that's a phrase we've we've often heard uh, a number of again more senior product marketers say is this idea of product marketing sits at the middle of all these different teams and that's a topic we'll we'll dive into much yeah, more deeper yeah, yeah, in the following sure. questions here. But I, yeah, that analogy of the connected tissue is, is one I've heard before and I think sometimes it takes some years in the role to kind of realize that um, and, and really learn how to apply it, which again we'll we'll talk about in a second there. But before we do, I, I'm curious. You know, we've often heard or I've seen some product marketing leaders on linkedin mention or give the opinion that product marketers are the future cmo's and even ceo's of of tech companies in your own specific experience what are some of the traditional product marketing skills whether it's go to market you know narrative and storytelling so on and so forth that you have found to be most helpful in your time as a cmo
0: yeah um and, and by the way, I think your 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 thoughts about that are substantiated by the the, the PMA surveys. Uh we see more and more product marketers get into the C-suite. Um I think the, the thing that gives them the edge, um, A is seeing the holistic picture of the company, right? But B, it it's customer intimacy. Um, it's really get a sense that even if you're in an engineering-driven, technology-driven company, um, having the context of what customers are craving um what they're finding not important uh what they're asking for um their complaints let's say about ease of use even um are things that a cxo uh leader needs to appreciate right um look there's lots of other skills too but i think even in in these engineering companies um customer awareness, customer intimacy, customer focus uh, are the things that will get you far so long as you can champion them back to the rest of the leadership team.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And it's funny you mentioned that because I'm even thinking of an experience that happened more recently in my own role where you know, business decision was made out of pure business necessity that was going to impact customers in not necessarily the most positive way. And sometimes those decisions have to be made. They're not always easy ones to make, but at the end of the day, sometimes the business has to right. make decisions that customers might not love, or some customers might not love. Uh, and one of the areas where I felt product marketing and myself specifically was able to speak up the most was articulating those customer impacts in a a non uh, unbiased and really direct way, so that yes, we still have that ultimate view of the decision that needs to be made for the business, but we're still at least considering and talking about all the ramifications for the customer and, and how to navigate those ramifications as they're filtered back up to the rest of the team internally.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. Um, and I'll add to that, um, that, you know, data always trumps opinion. So when you're trying to make a case, uh, if you can make a, uh, a collect the right data, whether it's usability, customer feedback, uh, win loss, like whatever it is to make your case, um, your job as any business person, but as a marketer is to is to back that up with data or trends.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And and you're you're spot on there. I think I've seen, and I've even been guilty of this myself, going into those conversations or those decisions with this gut feeling or this intuition that I know this is how customers will react. And at the end of the day, what product leaders and what the C-suite cares about most to your point is, okay, what data do you have to substantiate that? And if you don't have that, it can definitely make your argument that much weaker.
0: 100%.
1: Right on. So let's, let's dive in then to our topic that I alluded to earlier. And this idea of Product marketing, as you said, it being this connected tissue, and as a result, needing to really work in a collaborative fashion in order to achieve not just success within product marketing, but across the entire org. And yeah. in the build a tour to conversation, you actually shared an analogy with me that you found to be very helpful in formalizing the processes that underpin that collaboration. Would you be able to share it with us now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, um, yeah, the, the the analogy, you know, for those of you software people out there. Right is 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 the notion of a team API. Right, um, it's a little geeky, right? But if we're in technology, it's probably not a bad thing to understand. Um, and and the engineers in the room, right, or at your organization, kind of get it too. Um, but it's 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 you know an, an API or an application uh, programming interface, right? Um, is it's a software concept. Everybody uses it now, um, and literally, it's just it's a, it's how uh, two or more software pieces talk. Right to each other Um, and it's formalizing that so they can communicate and they sort of have an agreed upon process and um, uh, I'm not the first person to use this other analogy but like you think about it as a restaurant right the API is the the menu Uh, the transport is the waiter (laughs) Um, and uh, both the customer and the kitchen agree to work by it right so uh, you know waiter takes the API customer makes an order Waiter transports the order to the to the kitchen. Kitchen makes it right particular way. Waiter brings it back out. Right there's this there's this agreed upon transport. Um, why not you know while the menu may be a little overly uh, uh, formal, why not adapt that to your company? Right there are uh, an agreed upon set of let's say gives and gets that product marketing might have with other organizations. And uh, uh, how do you put those into effect? How do you maintain them? How do you maintain the cadence? Like that's the analogy I've been using for a while and maybe it's a useful one for, for uh, the listening audience.
1: Absolutely. I-, I think it absolutely is And You know, to your point around this idea of using a restaurant as an example, you know, nowhere when you walk into a restaurant is that explicitly outlined, right? Like you don't go walk into a restaurant and on the wall it says, these are the rules of the restaurant. You give order, we take order, we cook, you pay, and right? But that's that implicitly and widely accepted interaction. And I think what your analogy helps to do is identify that a lot of that is happening at most orgs, really all orgs, every single day. But it's not documented underwear. And the nice thing about applying this API framework is it forces you into documenting it just like any API would need to be documented. So I think it's really useful in that sense. Um, And and it really does, you know, we talk about in product marketing, doing what's best by our customers. We we literally just talked about it. And the nice thing about this give and get model is it frames your internal teams almost as your customers. Like I will give you this, or you give me this and you will get this. And it makes that exchange that much more binary and easier to understand.
0: Right, and it's and it's not. So, by, by the way, in case it sounds this way, it's not like I'll give you this if you give me that. Um, it's appreciating that almost every relationship you have as a product marketer is going to be two way, right? Um, and uh, formalize these things, right? Lest uh, uh, you don't, you're not able to collect some of the information or distribute some of the information. Um, that's necessary, right? You want to maintain a cadence um, so that everybody's eyes on the ball, right? Uh, or the the outbound ball and the inbound ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to that point of
1: you know the give and get, it also as a product marketer almost protects you in a way because it allows you when requests come in to go back to those teams and say, hey, in order for me to effectively give you this, I need you to give me X, Y, Z. And that way, you're not constantly having to change people down. It's almost as if you can document it in that API um, method, as you suggested, people go into that, you know, two-way interaction, knowing what they need to give to get what they want out of it. Perfect. And
0: and that's what you want, right? That's a smooth running organization. You don't want to chase people down, as you said. Uh, You actually want things proactive. Um, And what better way to do that than to sort of say, look, on a monthly, quarterly, whatever it is, basis, um, we're going to need to do this exchange. And that way everyone's prepared and everybody understands why the information is two ways.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, you and I chatting right now about these gives and these gets, and, and, you know, you've recently written a very helpful blog post on the PMA about this exact topic. So we'll link it in the show notes and I encourage the listeners to check it out because, you know, the way you framed it um, and the way you visualize it, I think is really clean and and concise. So I, I, again, we'll we'll share that out. Um, But In that blog post itself, and in your broader analogy, you've grouped some of those partner teams into these three broad categories. Um, I think you've listed them as product management and technical teams, customer-facing teams, and go-to-market teams. So I'm curious, what are some of the similarities that exist within each of those groups that make similar APIs work so effectively?
0: Yeah. Um, I think overall, and those teams I chose, by the way, were arbitrary, right? You could choose your own. Um, but in a, in a, in a market sense, in a marketing sense, uh, it is always super critical, um, to, uh, uh I, will call balance, make the market, bounce the market, right? There's the offer, uh, the producer and the consumer, the customer. And there's always two ways of inf- two directions for information. So what are you trying to project to the market and adjust that offer that value prop to the market, you're always adjusting that. Um, and who are you projecting it to? Who's the audience? And you're always adjusting that too. Um, Do I have the right segments, niches, et cetera? And then if you're missing the niches, that information has to come back. Uh, are we are we hitting the mark or not uh, for our messaging or for our products? So that information has to come back the opposite way. You know, right? And then you make the offer again, and that comes back out to the market, and you tested the market, and the market reacts. So everywhere a uh, uh, product marketing touches, you're having having to broker information both ways. So uh, it affects you almost everywhere.
1: Yeah, I think that analogy of being an information broker is, is a very apt one. You know, I often find that even internally, not even just with customers, product marketing and in myself specifically, I'm constantly reeling information in between teams. You know, again, a, you an know, analogy that I've heard others use, the idea of PMMs being quarterbacks internally calling plays, you know, seeing what they're seeing out in the field, whether that's the internal org or the marketplace or customers telling the rest of the, you know, offensive line or the rest of the offensive org um, what's happening and how to react. Uh, So I think that uh, what you said makes a lot of sense.
0: I'm so impressed that a Canadian is using an American football analogy. (laughs) <laughs> we are
1: shockingly, you know, we've got the CFL, big NFL fans. <laughs> I personally casually watch watch football, but you know, we're not uh we're not too that dissimilar from our from our friends down in the south there. Awesome. Well, you know, I think I always find it helpful whenever I'm personally trying to digest some new analogy of some kind that it's helpful to look deeper at a specific example. And I know you do that quite well in the blog post I referenced earlier. So I wonder, is there one particular example or you know, API that you feel demonstrates the benefit of having that shared API um, that let's say our listeners may not have considered.
0: Yeah, Um, you know, I think that the the, the natural one would be, oh, to think of of, of product marketing and like demand generation or go to market teams. So I won't use that, that's obvious. Um, Maybe a good one is, let's say product marketing and sales, all right? Um, Which you think is one way, but it ought not be, right? Um, You know, so you think about the API between marketing and sales. Marketing would provide or product marketing would provide things, you know, like you'd expect sales enablement content, customer facing materials, um, battle cards, um, customer qualification and targeting. Right. Those sorts of things that you're used to producing, at least you ought to be used to producing if you're doing, let's say, enterprise B2B sales. Um, Then you think your job's done. Um, but it's not right. But you, what you should be asking for t- from sales, demanding from sales and sales operations is is how is that resonating, right? How How is that coming back? Um, and maybe you get customer intelligence, market intelligence. Um, maybe you just get direct customer feedback, um, c- feedback on the messaging, obviously win loss information. Right. Why did you win or lose? Um, uh, and then, you know, suggestions on product features, right? How often does a sales an enterprise salesperson come back and say, like, if we only had this feature? then you have to take that with a grain of salt, but formalize that um, so that on a right, say, a monthly or at least quarterly basis, not only are you asking how did my enablement content work, but you're demanding back, like, okay, tell us what our customers saying. How are things resonating in the market? Did our latest Um, customer-facing material resonate and how so, and set those meetings up with the sales leaders so that you're not just saying, here's your enablement, but you're saying, I want back knowing how it worked out and what other information we got from the market, right? Formalize those exchanges.
1: Absolutely. And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned this idea uh, and the importance of setting up that cadence and formalizing it it holds everybody accountable and, you, you know, make sure you're checking on a regular uh, basis there. Uh, in your experience, outside of just having a meeting, are there any other methods or tools that you've seen work well in establishing that cadence or ensuring that there's that strong feedback loop yeah. from some of those partner teams?
0: That's an interesting question. Um, maybe two things, right? One one is, I'll call it in, informal or or person-to-person, right, which is when you're establishing this you know, workshop it. In other words, sit down, marketing leaders, sales leaders, sit down, say, Hey, you know, we let, let's, let's create this API, right. Let's create this relationship. Um, How often do you think it should work? What information is at our fingertips? What should we be exchanging? Right. What sort of our agreed upon menu, right. To, to borrow the phrase. Um, So that on a regular basis, you're having those meetings and you're you're you have that expectation. Um, then you know potentially there's the formal piece, which is, all right, let's talk to sales ops, let's talk to marketing ops. What should the literal APIs and data be? Right. Um, what do we what do we want to be able to mine from our CRM system, which requires what are you gonna be putting into the CRM system? Um, what are we gonna be mining from um uh uh win-loss analysis or from uh uh monitoring, let's say enablement downloads, blah, 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 right? So you wanna put that in, in in process literally with mar- marketing t- uh, 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 infrastructure and sales ops. Um, so I, I'd say work those two things together.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think something to just really reiterate because I think it's so valuable is we often talk about, again, in product marketing, this idea of you should never just throw something over and hope another team grabs it and runs with it, whether that's new positioning and messaging, whether that's a new piece of sales enablement, and I think in the same way, as you just articulated, if you want to bring one of these new APIs or processes to life, it needs to be collaborative. You need to, The other teams need to feel like they were a part of establishing it because that'll just make it that much more likely they'll actually adopt it and put it in practice. I think for any new product marketer to step into an org or to join an existing team and say, hey, we're going to establish these APIs and we're just going to send them out. And this is going to be the new lay of the land. You're probably going to find it's gonna be a lot harder for anybody to actually want to uh, adopt those.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and you'll build bridges too, right? Um, by by workshopping the API with the other organization, right? You build some trust, you build some understanding, why is it important to go have information flow both ways? Um, uh, uh, and that those are the, the strong relationships you want with the other organization.
1: Absolutely, and, and on the topic of relationships, I wonder if perhaps we can just shift gears a little bit and maybe focus on the relationships that you have seen product marketing maybe struggle with in establishing these APIs. Um, do you feel like there are any particular teams that maybe are a little bit, not necessarily less receptive, but the product marketer has to put in a little bit more effort to make those APIs yeah. successful?
0: Yeah, unfortunately what you're asking sometimes has a lot to do with personalities too, uh, which is, which is you know, it's a reality. Um, I'd say, you know, two or three that, that are that are hard to establish or at least maintain. Um, I think the sales example is one of them because um, sales doesn't always use its, it, doesn't always think of itself as kind of a two-way information broker, right? They're more of a, and I don't want to bucket them too much, but like, give me information so I can sell. Um, I don't want to take time to get feedback, So my job. That's a tough one to overcome, but you can make the case for why it's so important to have a two-way relationship there. Um, I think people don't often consider the importance of the relationship between marketing and customer success. Uh, right, customer success is there to ensure um, active use, uh, expansion, renewals, uh, stickiness and retention. Um, and it's really, really critical for marketing to understand what what's working and what's not uh, about the product, the business model, the relationship so I, again i think customer success thinks, thinks its its job is renewals um but it's really got to be two ways um but but overall i think customer success is uh, as a new relatively new organization is pretty enlightened and is probably going to be willing to help and then finally <clears throat> um right the the age-old relationship you got to maintain is between product marketing and product management um which is, I think, a little trickier to maintain in early stage businesses where things are, again, engineering led um, and product management becomes a little more declarative as opposed to having a balanced relationship. Um, so I think it's 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 important to strike that balance with product management early as well.
1: And have you found, even just framing it as simple as this one-way versus two-way street, which you mentioned a couple of times in the conversation, has breaking it down to an, uh, like to just its basic terms been helpful um, in getting those teams to be more receptive?
0: Yeah, I think so. And obviously, with with the more technical teams, prefer to <laughs> interface, right? Prefer to to converse um, in a formal fashion. That's their bias. Um, so that's a leg up on, on building the relationship. Um, but I believe that almost every organization or you know manager. Um, likes formalization, right? Not over formalization, but likes to know, oh, I've got a process I can work to. I've got some uh, guardrails, etc. cetera, and, as opposed to something that's willy-nilly. Um, so, you know, some degree of formalization is probably a great, great approach to work with other orgs.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really critical distinction to make too. I think what you're suggesting is not necessarily this <clears throat> complete over-documentation and over-processing of, basic interactions between teams. I I think this API model that you've, you know, presented is, is a way to just, again, formalize and at least structure that relationship and that that interaction between those teams without being so prescriptive as to say, Hey, you know, I need, everything's got to be formatted in this kind of doc and all these, you know, gaps need to be filled. And I need, it needs to be delivered to me by this date at this exact time. And maybe for some teams that might work, but it it sounds like where you've found success in just having that API that is at least formalized enough that people can do their best with it, but not so structured that people feel like they're hemmed in and and boxed into a a process. Right.
0: And see see, and show those people how that data is going to be used. Right. If you're asking just back to the analogy, if you're asking sales um, for uh, how certain materials are resonating in the market. Right. Let them know that you're gonna be trending this and the sorts of information you want back from them, uh, qualitative and quantitative, because you'll be using that, let's say, in a quarterly uh, business review. Um, So give context to it and um, have people appreciate why you're asking and what you're asking for.
1: Yeah, I think that's another big big piece of context to share is, you know, if you're gonna go from this one way to two way street, the people are going to want to know. Okay, what what's waiting for me at the other end of that of that interaction? Right? Like, you're going to ask for all this new stuff, which is it seems great, might mean more work for me in getting that to you. But like, what are you going to do with it? I think, and again, hands up, I'm guilty of this in you know past experiences myself. It's one thing to ask for information, but you actually have to do something with it. <laughs> just to just store it in one place and say, oh, you know, I ticked the box. I've had my conversation with my sales partner this month. I've collected the feedback. But that person at the other end is going to want to know. To your point what are you doing with that what's going to change as a result some yes yeah, some people just want to feel like they've been heard and that's great to, to give them the, the the opportunity to do that but you ultimately need to show some kind of output or results from that interaction
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, and and makes me think of two things right one is you know shine a flashlight on the, the information you need right you know it, it, you don't want to make people look bad but uh, let them know that like they're on the hook to provide something But I think the other thing I really, really wanna emphasize, it's worked for me at least, um, is when people understand the importance again of um, uh, information balance and the flow in and out of the company, the flow across the company, why every relationship should be two ways, right? It's all about meeting the customer needs. And how can you as a marketer or the product manager or engineering or customer success meet the customer needs if this information out from the company and back from the customers isn't flowing both ways on a consistent basis. Um, and I think if if marketers couch it that way, position it that way, how can I do a good job for you, right? Um, you got to do a good job for me too, right? Let, let me help you, help me. Um, that's critical. That context um, uh, helps people frame their roles so much better.
1: Yeah, and I think to that point, it also makes it that much easier when you're asking for things to be given to you, to remove this element of well, you know, Mark's just coming to me because again, this is just another thing that he's got to do as a product marketer. He's not going to do anything with it. it if you can frame it around, well, actually, we're, we're doing this to do what's best for the business and for the customer. It kind of removes that exactly. not personal nature of it, but it it grounds everybody in this shared goal. So everyone really understands, you know, why we're going through this extra step of. Creating this API, asking these questions, you know, giving and taking of these pieces of information, it just yeah. grounds it in that shared
0: goal. Perfect. Yeah. And I, I guess I would add, just kind of piling on here, um, if you as a marketer find yourself with a one-way relationship somewhere, right? Whether you're only providing stuff, or you're only getting stuff, you know, pause, scratch your head, uh, and think like what 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 might I be missing here with this relationship? with this other organization let's say or or even partners for that matter like think about channel partners right what the information they can provide back um but pause and go if i've got a one-way relationship maybe something's wrong or at least could be improved right
1: yeah i think that's some solid advice to to uh to end on here again ken this has been a great conversation i know you and i'm sure could just keep blabbing on about, you know, how product marketing is, you know, is that connective tissue as you start to we'll open the conversation with um, and, and the importance of these APIs and how they can make really everybody's lives involved that much easier. Um, but I, I do have to transition to the last question uh, and, you know, I figured it's a new year, uh, a new season for the show, and I wanted to switch things up a bit. So you're my first guest and I'm asking this new question. So I'll, I'll skip past the preamble. I'll just get into it. I'm curious, What's an area of focus within the realm of product marketing, or closely related to it, that you think product marketers will have to pay extra attention to this year, more so than in previous
0: years? Uh, by the way, great question. Um, I think I'm gonna go with <laughs> door number two. Uh it's all about focus and I'm gonna say micro-targeting. Um Right, gone are the day, the progression from marketing from you know years ago, from broad-based marketing and awareness down to getting more information about customers, more information about segments, more information about usage. I think the the, the, the area to keep your eyes on is, uh, again, micro-segmentation, micro-targeting, um, the ability for account-based marketing to target uh, individuals and individual needs much better because we're able to collect a lot more data and a lot more trend data these days. So, uh, I think the tools that allow you to do micro targeting, micro segmentation, ABM, that sort of stuff, uh, are becoming very mature. Um, and I believe makes marketing much more efficient sales, much more efficient, understanding the customer much more effective. So I, 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 would have to go with, um, uh, m- micro micro focus, micro segmentation, micro marketing.
1: Again, I, I think another great piece of advice there, uh, you know, and, and I've seen, whenever I've heard topics of, you know, ABM or, or, or micro targeting and micro segmentation come up, it's almost also, this, sorry, they've almost often been directed almost exclusively towards demand gen and, and funnel generation. And I think your advice is sound and helpful because it frames it in okay. If you know these teams are going to be focusing on that, how can product marketing play a role in that? Can they be supporting, you know, those demand gen teams and those sales teams as a result with super specific targeted positioning and messaging guidance and, and objection handling? Um, so yeah, I, I think that's great and definitely something I know I know a lot of listeners will keep a very close eye on yeah. this year.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it would it gives people think about this is now you can do very very targeted, very very efficient campaigns. That don't need to be long and drawn out either. Um, so I, I have a feeling those the, the, this this notion of um, uh, uh, scoping down the focus of marketing uh, is going to be more in the forefront this year and in the future.
1: Awesome, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there. Well, you know, just to reiterate, Ken, this has been a great conversation. Um, you know, I, I'm sure our listeners got a ton of value out—not just the API piece that you shared with us, but even that last insight. So, so thank you again for all that. Before I let you go, if anybody wants to reach out to you, maybe to engage, you know, Fountainhead product marketing in a more professional, um, context, or even just to, to pick your brain about how to set up these APIs, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh,
0: well, it's, uh, easiest thing is, uh, uh, through, get me on, on Twitter. I'm at Fountainhead. It's kind of spelled a little funny. Um, uh, or, uh, just, uh, email is Ostreichk at, uh, Gmail. Um, but uh, uh, also on, um, you can find me on um, uh, uh, the, the, the Product Marketing Alliance uh, and, and elsewhere. So I appreciate it.
1: For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer, and you want to come on the show and speak about your day a specific topic or your role in general that's one option if you want to flex your podcast hosting skills being a guest host is another and finally if you or your company want to sponsor an episode there's a third thanks again and have a great morning afternoon or evening wherever you are